God. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on tonight. Uh, I want to start in Mark chapter 3 and verse 20. And, uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 20. Scripture says, the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. Multitude came together again so that they could uh, not so much as eat bread. You look at this uh, at first glance here, it appears that the crowd is uh, so large, so great that... uh, They're squeezing in together and there's no room for them to lift their hands. There's no space for them to be able to even lift their arms or to eat. The multitude seems to be packed together and there's no available space uh, for them to be able to even eat. And uh, but when we look at the cross reference in Mark chapter six, we find that Uh, Jesus told his disciples that they needed to retreat or withdraw. Uh, The reason that he said this is because there were too many people coming and going. There was a constant move of everywhere they went. There was this crowd of people and they were uh, too busy that they had no leisure time. They had no time to rest. They had no time to refuel themselves. They had no time to eat right? And they had uh, no free time. In light of this, we see Mark chapter 3 and verse 20 clearly doesn't mean that they had no room to eat, but rather they were too busy to eat. They uh, didn't take time to eat. They were too busy with Jesus. They were too busy with kingdom work. They were too busy advancing the kingdom. And so in Mark chapter 2, Jesus was in the house and a multitude came together and there was no room for them in the house. You remember this? And throughout all of Mark, the scripture seems to reveal in great detail how the multitude would gather together to get to Jesus. They were pushing, they were pressing, they were doing anything they had to do to be able to get to where Jesus was. They would tear the roof off of a house. They would, they would uh, press their way into a building or a room. They would go to the uh, shore and their multitudes were there. They would go into a desert place and, and, and wherever he was, people was wanting to get to where Jesus was. These folks uh, was forsaking everything to hear the words of Jesus. They were, they were quitting their jobs, right? They, they took, and did not, took and quit their jobs and they followed Jesus. They left their homes. They had forsaken all to hear him preach. And they wanted to see him heal the sick. They wanted to see the captive delivered. They wanted, there was nothing more that they wanted. And and they showed that by their expression 
of everything that they had left. Some had left their jobs, others had uh, left their homes. Acts tells us that they sold everything they had and they, uh, they uh, divided it up equally so that everyone had, uh, everything was in common. That, and so they, they, all of the temporal things that were around them did, did not compare to being in the presence of Jesus and hearing the words that he spoke. They were desperate to be in his presence. And as these multitudes gathered together uh, in their midst of all of this, leopards were being cleansed. Amen. Demonic spirits were being cast out. Withered hands were straightened out. People's lives were being restored. The dead were raised to life. The blind eyes were open. In fact, there seemingly was nothing that was uh, not that Jesus was not able to do when these multitude of people, uh, even around him and pulling on him, he was doing these miracles. And the question that I uh, ask is this: I, I wonder if there is a correlation between. This, in this relationship between the miracles and the multitude. Did the miracles have anything to do with the hunger of the multitude? Did, was, there a, was there something taking the reason why that the miracles were manifesting, the reason why blind eyes were open, the reason why that the demonic had to be set free. The reason why that Jesus was performing all of these miracles, do I wonder, was it because there was such hunger in the multitude? You see, because whenever there is no hunger, then there's no demand. Amen? But when there is a hunger, then there is a demand. I say, you know, and some people don't, uh, maybe they don't understand, but I call it putting a demand on the anointing. That, that whenever there is a demand, when there is hunger, and as a, as a preacher, I can tell when people are hungry. Amen. It, it, it pulls on you. It will, it will pull stuff out of you that you weren't even prepared to say. You didn't even, you, it, revelation will flow. It's easy to preach when people are hungry in the house. But whenever there is no appetite, when there is no hunger in the house, then it, it is it sometimes, even when you're prepared and at best, there is still hard to deliver the word of the Lord because there, and, and there obviously is no manifestation there. And so I wonder, is these miracles being manifest due to the fact that the people wanted nothing else but Jesus? Was it because that they did whatever was necessary to find him, whatever they had to do to touch him, whatever they had to do to reach out and, and, and just touch him, they was willing to do it? <laughs> I wonder if their faith Excuse me. I wonder if it was their faith that caused heaven to open up and God to pour out his spirit. Amen. There is a relationship, I believe, between the multitude and the miracles.
And then I had to ask myself, what would happen if we became so busy with things of the kingdom that we didn't take time to eat? What if we were so passionately pursuing after him that we would forsake everything else? What if we were so busy with him that nothing else mattered? What would happen in our lives? We are living in an entertainment world and entertainment culture. We, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. People take vacation to, for amusement, entertainment, right? And we go to the amusement park, we go to the, the beach, we go to a, a ball game, and we take time out for those amusements. But, but I wonder, when was the last time we took a day off to pursue God? When was the last time that we said, God, it's so important to us, to me, to know you, to see you, to experience your presence, that I'm going to take this day and I'm going to give this day to you. Amen? <coughs> We're living in a day when everything is pulling for our attention. Good things and bad things, they're all pulling for our attention. And we seemingly are always putting out fires and never putting up praise, always panicking and failing to pray, always speaking doubt and never declaring the prophetic promises of God over our lives. Amen? And we have too many options. We have too many options today. And, and you've heard me tell you before that options have caused discipleship to, to nearly be non and void in the church. But we have too many options that, that pull for our time. You know, we have too many books. We have too many authors. We have too many TV programs. There's so much going on around us that we, we lose our appetite for him. Amen. We lose our appetite for him. And... Whenever we, <coughs> I'm sorry, when we have an appetite for something, have you ever, um, somebody told you that, that you need to eat certain things because it's good and you'll like it, and you ate it and you didn't? Amen. I'm that way with sushi. I like my fish deep fried. I know broiled's good for you and healthy, but baby, there ain't nothing like some deep fried fish. <laughs> Amen. That's sushi now. That's for the birds, literally. Amen. But my buddies have told me, I've had two or three of them convince me, you need to eat this. You'll love this. I said, I've tried it before. They said, oh, you haven't tried this kind. And and so I'd eat it, and it tastes just like the last kind I tasted. And, and, but, uh, you know, something, I've never acquired a taste for that, and I guess you have to. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, uh, naturally, um, 
I don't know whenever how you came about drinking uh, coffee or if you do, but people ought not drink coffee. It's horrible tasting. But then you acquire a taste for it. <laughs> and you keep start drinking it and start drinking it. And then, then after a while, automatically when you get up, you got to have a couple cups, then a couple pots, and then you got to have some through the day, and right? And, and, and you acquire that taste. How did you do that? You did, you did that because you took the first cup and it really didn't taste so good, but then you went and got another, and then you begin to acquire a taste. And if we're going to change our appetite, sometimes we have to take some things that it may not first taste so good. Amen. But I, uh, the word of God is, is wonderful, but sometimes it, it, is, it, it may not feel good to read the word. It may not take taking time to worship God or time to pray. may not seem to your flesh like that it's an appetite uh, thing, appetizing thing to do. But the more we do it, we acquire and begin to love his presence and we begin to experience his goodness. And we begin to be just like we are in the natural, in the spirit. We begin to desire his presence. We begin to long and look forward to those mornings that we can get up and talk to the Father, just us and him alone. Amen. And we begin to worship him and we create a, a appetite and a desire to be in his presence. And Jesus will only be as big as you see him to be. Amen. If we don't have an appetite that creates and develops in us and we begin to see him bigger than what we've seen him before, then that's the limit of who he is. Whenever I was, I, I probably have told you this before, but when I was in Nigeria, McCurdy, Africa, a <clears throat> man came up for the prayer line and I don't know why he even came up. It was a prayer. Uh, I asked people to come up to be saved and then whenever I came to him, I asked him if he wanted to be saved, and he said, no, he didn't believe in God. I said, what's your problem? I didn't say it in that way. I asked the interpreter, asked him what was wrong with him, and he said that he had never seen God. And, uh, and so I said, well, if you uh, see him, then you'll believe. And he said, yes. And uh, so uh, I took his hand, and I prayed, and I just asked God. I said, God, this man says that if he could see you, that he would believe, and I ask you that you would do that for him. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. And uh, it, that was it. He kept looking at me wide-eyed, and, and then I said, God bless you, and he went and sat down, and nothing happened. And, uh, but the next morning, because there you had three services during the day, morning, afternoon, and night service, and uh, the next morning he came to uh, the service real very early he was there he was excited it was obvious that something had happened to him and uh he he gave his testimony through the interpreter he said i saw him i saw him he said and he's a real big man <laughs> amen and uh, the lord had allowed him to see a vision of him through the night and, and so the, the, it, if you see god as just a small little god that's just about the size of another man and you've limited him in your life as just another man, then that's all you're going to get. But whenever you have relationship with him and you come to an understanding of how 
omnipotent he really is, how great he really is, how awesome that he really is, then you begin to release him to be God in your life and manifest himself in a great way. Amen? Praise God. So however big you see him, that's how he's going to be. I know you didn't come to hear stories, but I, that, that story was that the, he saw him and he was really big. I, I, you know, and, and Renee and I, we preached a lot of years and itinerary preaching and going all over the country. And one lady came to me in a revival service and, and, and she told me just the direct opposite. She said uh, that she was uh, in the kitchen before she came to church and, uh, and there was a little miniature six inch Jesus sitting on the side of the uh, wash uh, basin there while she was washing her dishes and her and that little six inch Jesus was having a conversation and said she hollered her husband to come in and and see Jesus and said he got in there just in time to see him go down the drain you can't make this stuff up I mean it's for real but if all you've got's a little miniature six inch Jesus then that's all he's going to be in your life but if you see him greater than life, hallelujah, if you see him bigger than life and he reveals that to you, then you uh, have tapped into the power of who he is. So let's let God be big in our life. Amen. He hasn't changed and he hasn't changed throughout all of eternity. What has changed is our hunger for him has changed. Our thirst has gone away. We've lost our appetite for that that we used to love. And I believe there is a hunger that produces the miraculous. I believe that there is something that, that when we look into this crowd, this hungry crowd that produces the miraculous, the supernatural. And we come to church and, and sometimes we're silent and we, sometimes we're distracted by such easy, we're so easily distracted by things. Amen. We, we just... We, we, we get to a certain place and we, we, we fuss about anything. Somebody, you know, took our parking space. Don't they know we've been parking there for three years? You know, but don't get upset. Be happy that you got a car to park. Amen. You need a spot. <laughs> Amen. We just become comfortable with our opinion. We become comfortable with fussing and griping and complaining and being irritated until it nearly becomes normal. Amen. How many know just because it's normal in our life doesn't mean that it, it's right? Amen. I've told you before, you know, we, things you can, you can put up with abnormalcy for so long that it becomes normal to you. And, uh, you know, mom and dad's here tonight and I've told you before, Whenever, you know, I was growing up, we didn't have all these choices, especially on TV. You had three, five, and eight. <clears throat> Amen. And, and we had a, t and a tower antenna that you had to go out and turn it. And I would know which way three and five and eight was. And you go out there and you run out there and, and it wasn't bad in the summertime, but in the wintertime, sometimes that thing would freeze up. And you had to take a hammer and hit it so you could turn it around. I know y'all don't care about all my stories tonight. I'm going to tell you anyhow. Man, but that wasn't, that, that wasn't the bad part, Chris. The bad part was, is, it was uh, 
you know, my sisters and I one day was fighting over which one, three, five, and eight was going to be. And we busted off the turner, the channel changer on it. And uh, you have to get good when it's a pair of vice grips to know where three, five, and eight is. Amen. But after a while, being, it became normal. <laughs> It became normal until you knew where three was, five was, eight was, and, and you didn't even have to have those numbers on there. And what I'm saying is sometimes it becomes normal for us to not to be comfortable with not having an appetite, not having a desire, not having a, a, a heartfelt burden or a hunger for the things of God or the things of the Spirit. And we focus our lives on, on just being normal in what the flesh can accomplish instead of what God is wanting to accomplish. But, <laughs> but we need to stop fussing and giving thanks to him, amen, that we can come into the house of the Lord and give him praise and say, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to be distracted by these just meaningless thoughts, these meaningless actions. I'm just going to be here in God's presence and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him glory. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to give him honor because this is what I'm here for. I'm after Jesus. Amen. I'm after his presence. I'm hungry for him. Amen. And that's what David said. He said, as a deer pants for the water's brook, my soul longs for you, O God. Amen. Why was there a longing for da that David had? Why did he hunger for that? It's because he already had tasted of Jesus. He had already tasted of God. When he said, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Amen. He had already tasted and knew that it was good and it put a hunger and an appetite inside of him. And so I say tonight, what is it that, that we've lost our appetite, our thirst for the things of the spirit? We need to stir up that thing again inside of us and desire the goodness of God again. Amen. We need to stop missing moments and stop allowing our hunger to be distracted by everything else. Amen. I don't know. I'm just in a storytelling mood tonight. <clears throat> that, you know, this summer's been, been hot and hasn't been fit for much of anything, especially not getting outside. But thank God for beautiful days. Amen. Most of the time, I... Whenever I go out hunting or I go to run my dogs, I'll eat a little something light before I go. And <clears throat> recently, I had opportunity to go and, and uh, go run my dogs. <clears throat> they were doing really good, so I stayed longer than I planned to stay. And uh, it got hot. And they had got out away from me in pretty good ways, about a thousand yards away. And, and it wouldn't be bad if that was flat ground, but there's mountains between me and them, and glory to God. And uh, so, but that's the joy of it, right? Wherever they go, it's kind of like the Lord. Where they lead me, I will follow <laughs> And uh, so you got to go get them. And so it's good exercise for a fat man. But, 
But in the midst of that, it gets dry. You get, you know, it's dry, you get hot. And I stayed longer than I intended to stay. And, and, and you know, saying that, talking about being fat, you don't get this way eating salad. So I began to think about what I was going to eat when I got out of the woods. <clears throat> I began to think... <laughs> about some fried potatoes and cornbread and brown beans and onions. Glory to God. I think that's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I really do. Amen. And I, I began to think about all of this. And, and after a while, Brother Jack, I found myself, I wasn't even concerned about them dogs as much as I was getting to them to lock them up because more, all I was thinking about was eating. All I can think about is I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, you know. And, and what, I, what, what am I saying? I'm saying there are sometimes in our lives that, that on this journey that we are in dry places. We're in places where that we've been longer than we expected to be, right? And there's times in our lives whenever it, it feels like, you know, uh, we, we need more than this. We need more than what this can bring us. And there has to be down inside of us a hunger for the things of the Spirit, a hunger for the things of God, to say, God is my light and my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen. It, it, there's something inside of us that's got to believe that, that where we are is not where we're going, that, that there is a greater day, there is a greater moment, there is a greater victory than what we can see from here. But, there, man, we're not going to here. We're in the progress of going somewhere. And if we get filled up with the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the word of God, Amen. We can begin to see the goodness of God even in dry and barren places that will propel us, sustain us to get to that place of promise in our lives. Amen. And so, <clears throat> if you really get hungry, no matter what else is going on in life, it will drive you to say, I'm going to go eat. Amen. Amen. swung open the doors and it would be full but nothing looked appetizing and you, you, you broke down and made your peanut butter and jelly sandwich but it didn't fulfill you you look through all of the things and there suddenly you realize it is not a natural hunger but it is the call of the spirit of God that, that God was wanting to, to have time with you he's wanting to speak to you he's wanting to fulfill his word in your life and show you how powerful and how real he is amen and that's what we have to understand is that just as there is a hunger in the natural there is a hunger in the spirit and we have to create that appetite by spending time with God spending time in his word and spending time in worship and when we do it will create a desire but also it will create a demand upon the anointing the word of God that as it is preached that life and power will come forth and bring forth the miraculous I don't know about you but I really want to see the miraculous I want to see the miraculous I want to see signs and wonders I want to see the goodness of God amen 
I want to see those who are in bondage set free. I want to see those who are oppressed, those who are blind, those who are sick, to see the healing, miraculous power of God. But I believe that it has to do with the hunger. Amen. People have asked, you know, me for a while, what, what's the difference between here and overseas? And I, I'm about come to the conclusion that, it, that it's the hunger. It's the hunger. Those people would walk in Africa. Whenever we go to Africa, they will send a messenger to find out if we are there. And if we are there, they will send message back home. And they'll walk for three or four days to get to the site where we're having the crusade. And they won't have hotels. They'll sleep in the grass outside. And they'll stay there all week long while the crusade is going on for the hunger, desiring the hunger, desiring the presence of God. Amen. And, and I, I, I seen the other day, yesterday, I think it was on the news that there, <laughs> there was this man sitting out waiting for iPhone 7 to come out. He's been there for two or three days already. And what's that come out, tomorrow or Friday? Nobody knows. All right. But the newscaster said, <laughs> and, and it cracked me up, but the newscaster said somebody forgot to tell him he could go ahead and order it online and they'd send it to his house. You know, but this is his thing. He, he told the newscaster when they interviewed him, he said, I've been the first one. I've been the first however many there was to get these in, in the past years, I guess, since the iPhones come out. And he had never been the very first one. He was number four last year and number something else a year. But he's wanting to be number one this year. Uh, what, what if we had that kind of hunger whenever you drove up here on Thursday and somebody had a chair sitting out here and they say, what are they doing? I'm waiting on Sunday. You think, what kind of crazy are you? You know, but what if, what if we had that kind of hunger? What if it, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to take off work and we don't have to sit in lawn chairs, but just in our hearts, in our minds, a spirit of expectancy to say, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord and worship with my brothers and sisters and celebrate his goodness and give praise to his name and, and worship with the word of God and see lives change. I, I just believe somebody's going to be saved this week. I, I can't wait because somebody's going to get the miracle this week. Somebody's going to come in sick and leave healed. Somebody's going to come in hopeless but leave with hope. I'm expecting something to take place. Whenever we we come together corporately with such expectation how many know it's going to change the atmosphere in this room and people are going to come in amen and they're going to be broken they're going to be hurt and, it, and it's not us but it's because of our expectation and putting demand upon the presence of God that his presence will be here and their lives will be changed amen we're really hungry no matter what else is going on in our life. We'll find a way to get somewhere to eat. We can go to work, but when we do, we're still thinking about Jesus. We can go play with our families and do things special with our families, but we're still thinking about Jesus. We can work around the house, paint the house, 
clean the cars. We can change the oil. And we, but we still need to be thinking about Jesus. No matter how busy we are, our focus in the, in the recepts of our soul and in our mind, we need to be thinking about the goodness of God. Man, I wonder what would happen if we were so busy with Jesus and the things of the kingdom that nothing else would matter. Wonder what type of miracles we would see. Rather than just going through the mundane, going through the rigors of religion, going through the traditions of men and fulfilling the customs of the day, we came in with a heartfelt desire to see Jesus. This is what I believe. I believe that people are hungry for Jesus. They just don't know that that's what fulfills them. I have found things that I like to eat now that I didn't know that I liked. But when I got hungry, I would try it. Amen. I believe that this crazy, chaotic state that our nation is in, people are hungry for Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus that will fulfill. But before they know it, there's got to be a church that gets hungry for him. Amen? Because my buddies that like that sushi... They don't make no bones about it. Oh, you got to order this. And they'll bring that big old plate out there. And, oh, it's great. And all that. And the church has got to get hungry until we begin to tell the world, oh, man, he's good. You, you, you got to taste him. He, he's great. Man, his presence, I can't even explain his presence. It's just wonderful. You can be sad, you can be lonely, you can feel hopeless, but just come into his presence. And uh, what do you mean his presence? Well, I can't explain it. You've got to experience it. Amen. Because you can't explain God. But when you experience him, you know it's God. Amen. And so we have to get hungry for him so that we can tell the world how good he is. And whenever we develop that appetite, then I believe that there's going to be an invasion of the miraculous. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to sweep over our life. It's going to sweep over our home. It's going to sweep over our family, our jobs, our businesses, our church, our ministry, our region, our city. Amen. And if we desire it and we're hungry for it, God is not going to withhold any good gift from us. Amen. Hunger moves God. He responds to those who are hungry for him. And he promised us that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be healed. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm hungry for more of you. Songwriter said more of you. More of you. I've had all that this world offers, and I hunger still. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer. 
for more of you. Amen? That's what our desire must be. Amen? So tonight on this Wednesday night, I just come to stir up the faithful. Not come to condemn, not come to judge you, but stir up our minds by the way of remembrance and say, how thirsty are we? How hungry are we? And let's stir up that hunger. Let's stir up that appetite. Let's stir up that thirst for the things of the Spirit in our lives. Come with a spirit of expectancy, of hunger into this house. Don't allow the circumstances of the week dictate to you how Sunday service is going to be. But see him big. See him great. And say, no matter what I've gone through, no matter the circumstances of this week, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And the house of God, anything can happen today. Amen. You really believe that we've had that kind of expectation? You really believe that we've had that to believe that anything can happen today? Or if we had an idea of, oh, let's, let's just hope. Hope's a good start. Amen. But we have to have an expectation, a hunger. I believe, I, I don't know how you read it, but as I read over the book of Mark, I, I'm convinced that there's something to do with the hunger of the multitude that produced the mass miracles that took place. And I just believe that if we get hungry, we're going to see those miracles again. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God a praise tonight in his word. Man. Praise God. I just, I really do believe that. I, I do believe that. Does anybody need tonight, need prayer, need the touch of God, need a miracle? Believe God tonight, something in your life. We believe the Lord is able, amen?